You're listening to The Workflow Show, Chesapeake Systems Media Production and Technology Workflow Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Whetstone, Senior Workflow Engineer. If a MAM is technically a dam and you and your media production team need one, won't any dam do? Can't your team edit off the same company file server that everyone else in the company uses for documents and SharePoint? Our VPN should work just fine for you to edit on location, right? We can use the same network switches that we've been using, can't we? Everything's in the cloud now, so you can edit off the cloud, right? We can't buy a bespoke system from a vendor that'll customize a platform built by a third-party software company. So will this less expensive SaaS model cloud collaboration tool do everything you need out of the box? When you say someone has to enter metadata, can't we just have AI do that? All right, so we know some of these questions have some very cool yes and responses. But if you're working on a lean media production team in a corporate environment, you will most definitely find yourselves wanting to make some very close friends in your IT leadership. Or maybe you yourself are an IT leader in your organization, which has its own media production team. Do they really need these crazy workstations, fiber network switches, overspec storage arrays, and massive internet pipes? Well, today on episode 47 of the Workflow Show, we have a guest to share in some workflow therapy around the beauty in and the challenges of a great relationship between media production professionals and IT professionals. I'd like to welcome Daniel Rosenberg, Lead Creative Technologies at PVH Corp. Welcome to the Chessa Church, Dan. Thanks so much, Jason. Happy to be here. Cool. And joining me once again, my co-host, Senior Solutions Architect, Ben Kilberg. Thanks again, my friend. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Dan, let's start with uh, PVH. What is PVH? So PVH is Philips Van Heusen, uh, the Van Heusen and the Van Heusen clothing brand. Um, so a lot of people... So that's the Van Heusen that we all know, that we see, you know, when we walk around... Uh, on, our, on our backs, even. Yeah. <laughs> that you all know and love. Uh, and we own and operate uh, several other fashion brands, Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, uh, Arrow, Izod, uh, and several others across the board uh, with license partners and agreements. Uh, and we are, uh, we are everywhere. We make a lot of shirts. We make a lot of neckwear. We make a lot of pants uh, and just have uh, a great business uh, all across the globe, uh, something like 35,000 uh, global corporate associates in retail. And it's uh, an IT organization that's approaching, I think, 700 about now. Awesome. So what about yourself, though? So tell us a little bit about your path to creative technologies at PBH. So I always like to tell a story that I started very much in the analog world. I helped my father for a very long time uh, manage a VHS personal collection of WWE wrestling special events, which somehow, uh, if you can believe it, led me to a career right out of college in the WWE tape library itself. So I got Imagine a great, that. <laughs> so I got a great opportunity there and started moving from analog into digital uh, and a lot of the digitization initiatives that were going on at WWE. Started as the second person in the blooming digital asset management department. So there were two of us at the start, uh, quarterbacking everything from digitization to initial metadata application to uh, rolling out digital playback for some of the events uh, and you know feeding the TV trucks on site. And was in that position for just about nine years. Uh, was, was really just 
the best possible learning experience I could have ever imagined, learning a lot, uh, always being on the, the bleeding edge of all of the newest tech because the, the business really demanded it, you know, being both historically focused in its narrative as well as how to, how to push the technology forward and, and really innovate across everything you could ever think of. So, uh, so that sounds like it was a very media production focused, media production workflow heavy oriented uh, organization that you, that you were with there. Absolutely, and, and creative drives absolutely everything there, and it's it's the rest of our responsibility to, to keep up, to enable these workflows, these features, whatever they can think of is what we need to be there for them for. Right. They had a story to tell, and it was your job to make sure that story was told. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. right. So like you said, that was a creative-driven uh, sort of environment. Contrast that a little bit to your current role. What is that like now, today? Sure. I, I do feel I should mention the intermediaries. Okay, right. yeah, please yeah. do, yeah. Uh, so from WWE, uh, I got a great opportunity at Time, Inc., uh, the magazine company, now former magazine company, which uh, encompassed properties like Time and Sports Illustrated, People, Fortune, and several others. Uh, I got a great opportunity there to build out a video asset management and video ops department with some great partners, basically from scratch, and really starting to look at how media companies also need to become their own video production shops because it's really important for the turnaround of the news stories, the delivering the content that people who are either looking for hard-hitting news or some celebrity gossip or sports or finance, uh, really just trying to revolutionize that when it comes to a magazine business because people don't read magazines anymore. So really kind of trying to understand uh, in a company of that size where media production can find its place. Okay. So that sounds like, uh, you know, when you talk about a media company of any sort, there's there's definitely media there that's not just Word documents and, you know, and Excel spreadsheets. You know, there, you're, you're working with creative professionals like you would be in a video or, you know, uh, episodic television movie, you know, based workflow. Um, so that sounds like it was a little bit of a, uh, a little bit familiar to you coming from that role that you came from at WWE. Familiar, sure. Um, yeah. The little bit of the shift I, I would say is rather than a WWE where creative is very much in the driver's seat uh, at, at a place like Timing, at that moment, it was very much corporate IT in the driver's seat, really uh, enforcing everything from the intellectual property to guidelines and standards around security, how we transmit our assets and really just making sure that everything stays within the lines. Gotcha. gotcha. Good training for your yeah. role today. <laughs> yeah. So uh, bridge the gap here. Let's talk about today. What's what's going on today? So today I work for, as we mentioned, a very large global fashion company that uh, has presence in 35 or so countries with offices and associates around the globe. And really any company of that size, whether they know it or not, is a burgeoning media company inside of itself, or in the case of PVH, several burgeoning media companies inside of itself. With the brands there, um, each of them within their own regions, within their own business units, are working through all of their challenges, trying to meet their deadlines, uh, potentially in very different and disparate ways. And 
the role today is really trying to understand where are some of those things working, where are they not, where are their efficiencies to be gained, and really scale. Scale is, is really right. the, the big buzzword. How can we do this at scale to make sure that from a support perspective, we're only supporting the very fewest possible amount of systems and processes, um, but also delivering that value that the people you know, who are our end users, our clients, need um, to get what they need to get out the door. So. Right, right. So um, it strikes me that uh, you know, in your current role, you, you probably are dealing with a lot of uh, subjects, terms, things that you, that you may not have dealt with uh, in, a, in a more production, sort of creative-driven environment, things like intellectual property, security, um, IOPS maybe, things like that. So just to get into our, into our discussion, um, one of the things that is a challenge for you in your role is probably being that translator, being the person that can sort of bridge the gap between the corporate IT and the media uh, professionals, the creatives in your organization. So talk a little bit about that. What are you translating? Sure. And I, I think that it's also important uh, coming into fashion, which was not certainly something not in my background, um, but I'm, right. I'm very fortunate uh, to be married to a fashion designer. So several years of just the how was your day conversation was exceptionally good prep for an interview I didn't know was coming several years later. <laughs> That's so, amazing. So I knew some of the lingos. I knew even some of the systems and processes that are in place that are very specific to the fashion industry, to consumer products, uh, and, and some of the things. I mean, there's, there's a lot of dovetail in there, and it's metadata, it's workflows. Uh, it, it's just a different kind of asset, um, but it moves at a very different pace with a lot of different requirements to it. Um, yeah. so, so in that regard, it, it, is, it was also very much like learning a new language, but something that I had had a little bit of prep for. Okay, so you're dealing with different sorts of backgrounds when we talk about translating between, you know, translating terms or relating terms. Um, you've got some people that have this creative media-driven background, and you've got some other people on the other side of things that have this technical, maybe it's a... Uh, you know, maybe it's a background in, in process management. Maybe it's a background in, in uh, information technology. Maybe it's, you know, it could be any number of, of very technical backgrounds. So what's that like, sort of getting those two people to talk? Yeah, so the the amount of layers that you see um, that you might not be prepared for in smaller companies, uh, certainly within a, a larger corporate environment like that, uh, certainly took, from my perspective, a little bit of adjustment to understand that there are really specializations across the board that make a company the size of PVH able to push forward with these you know, gigantic global initiatives, everything from campaigns and e-commerce and television production for commercials that will air uh, on the Super Bowl. The amount that goes into driving that forward for a company the size of PVH is really something to behold. And, and really, you know, my first few months in there, getting myself situated, learning all the players, learning all the moving parts, um, you, you do realize that there are an astounding number of, of cooks in the kitchen that are all required to bring the ingredients you know, to the table. You know, in a lot of creative companies, the fewer cooks, the better, depending on depending sure. on what you're seeing, because they really just need to drive forward. Um, but to operate at that scale that we need for PVH, it really is an all hands on deck effort 
every day of the year. And, and it's truly something to behold. So when you're working with people, it's a good mix, right, of, of the more analytical-leaning people and the more creative-leaning people. And each of them have a very specific specialty, have a different working style, have uh, different ideas about how to push things forward. As, as someone in my particular role, it's very important to be able to not necessarily understand the nitty-gritty of both sides, but to understand why each of their responsibilities, each of their deadlines, each of their budgets are continually important to the overall success of the company. And I think finding the commonalities in that we are all professionals, we are all looking to advance the good of our company, advance our message, advance that brand DNA, um, really getting people on that same page is the first step because I think it's very easy to be in your day-to-day -day grind where you have your deadlines and your management and your supervisors, and it can be, you know, it's, it's a forest through the trees issue there. So to, to be able to take a step back and see how all of these things weave together and have to weave together for the overall success of the company, um, I, I think that puts me and those on my team in, in a very advantageous position to, to be able to see how all of these things make a larger, better thing. Right, yeah, that's great. Um, so getting everybody on the same page with the meaning, this is why we're all here, you know. Um, so infrastructure, like how's the infrastructure, like you, you go into an, to an organization, you bring a media production company, uh, media production group into an organization that that is used to working on, like I mentioned in the intro, a file server or uh, using cloud storage for various and sundry activities like uh, how's the infrastructure different in, in an organization, an old corporate organization versus a media production organization? What I've seen a lot is at a place like WWE where media production is the number one business, everything is built for that. And all of the what I guess would be considered at WWE more complementary traditional IT services have their own path and are really even separate from the media production network. So everything that and lives within file servers like SANS and, and within the production environment is completely separate from things like email, things like some of the mm -hmm. uh, additional corporate documentation processes and workflows. So it, it's very much two separate worlds, and there's not a lot of that cross-pollination there, which makes for efficiency on both sides, but doesn't really lend itself to any kind of overarching governance because in those cases, often those two sides don't need to talk to each other. Sure. You're, so, you're working with maybe a smaller group of people that, you know, their primary concern is things like user experience and things like how fast is the storage or how fast can I deliver? How fast can I uh, can I do a review and approve workflow or something like that? Exactly. And, and for a company like PVH, which has to support a global operation uh, with, as I mentioned, 35,000 or so associates, they have had to build for scale. So they have built out infrastructure and systems that can keep the lights on and keep pushing forward from a corporate IT perspective. And what we have seen, and I've, I've seen this in, in other companies for sure, uh, is that people on the creative side are given direction from their own creative management, you know, with their own deadlines and their own desire to stay on the cutting edge to be able to give you, you know, the, the latest and greatest in video tech and, you know, 4K, 8K, whatever it is that's going to look great because 
you're selling a product, you're selling an experience, you're selling what the brand means. So it, it needs to look good, it needs to sound good, it needs to feel good. And often we found that folks in creative have had to, for lack of a better term, go into business for themselves to be able to support those kind of technologies because they could bring an entire corporate network to a grinding halt trying to manipulate 4K video uh, on a traditional workstation or a traditional company computer on that traditional network. As you said, the same systems that we're using for emails and document storage, trying to do full-on craft video editing it just is not long-term workable. And that's that could be brought down by one person, let alone if you have an entire team doing things like this. So we've, we've certainly seen that there is the need for the specialization when it comes to this kind of production. Because, again, people are, are kind of off in the ether and that is not really beneficial for a number of reasons, right? Because they're now storing company assets on removable hard drives. I mean, they're mm -hmm. in the office, but they can be lost. They can fall behind a desk. Or uh, stolen. Or stolen. Yeah, or stolen. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. one thing that I've seen is that a lot of firms start out by using external vendors. Maybe it's a marketing firm, right, that they're doing video with. But eventually there is a desire for more control and some cost savings as well. And so people decide to bring it internal and say, oh, well, we would have more creative control, more efficiency, because corporate America loves efficiency, and really uh, take control of it ourselves. So I'm sure there was some transition at PVH that was probably similar to that. On that subject of, of efficiency, like that's uh, that's where we in the in the media production space start talking about things like automation, and how can we automate things that we're doing over and over and over again, just with different files or different resolutions, even or something like that. Uh, so that's a big thing. Of course, that's that's you know one of the things that we here at Chessa specialize in. So, you know, that, that strikes me as, as something that uh, may have a different meaning in, in the IT, sort of corporate IT space. We might be talking about, like, generating a report that we have to generate every week or something like that. Um, so maybe talk about some of the benefits that can be gained for those of us who are wanting to know. When we talk about efficiency in the media production space, what are we talking about? A lot of what you would term automation uh, in media production is actually something that corporate IT does very well uh, in that there, as you mentioned, things like reports, uh, things like repeatable processes, th things that have to happen in the background every day that associates that we have across the globe may take for granted because the lights are always on, because you know this the systems are always working, the reports are coming out, the operations are moving smoothly throughout the company. And it's not necessarily something that a lot of people would see or even know because there are dedicated IT professionals behind the scenes ensuring that this continues to happen so the business can continue to make money. Um, you know, anytime that you go down for any, you know, any length of time, you are putting your own financial well-being at risk and you could miss mm -hmm. out on things like whether it's Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Um, you know, we, we really depend very heavily on corporate IT and all of the processes and specializations that they've put into place that can now happen in the background. It's really something to behold, especially at scale. When it comes to how these things happen you know, in these media companies within our, our corporate environment, that's not something that they're really able to do because they are deadline-driven and focused on 
the speed, the efficiency, how to get things out into the market faster, how to cut down on lead times. And when they are in their own little islands or when they have come up with makeshift solutions over the years to meet deadlines that have now just become, the, and I'm making air quotes, the way, um, they can't afford to really think about what all of that means and how to actually support it because they have to be on to the next thing, on to the next thing sure. to, to continue to drive forward. And what you're able to do when you marry those two worlds up uh, is to be able to not only support the creative process, but to free them up from some of the administrative burden um, that either was being completely neglected or was being done in a very bare-bones manner. So when I talk about things like media ingest, media archiving, media metadata tagging, you know, the, the company has spent tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars to produce spots, to produce footage, you mm -hmm. know, with celebrities, um, you know, or in exotic locations, which are, you know, some of these things can be really hard or impossible to recreate if there are not processes and, frankly, people in place to use the automated potential of some of these workflow systems, like a MAM or a DAM, to really increase the efficiency of the humans, then you start to see where the rubber meets the road, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a producer who has to ingest and tag, you know, 100 hours of content. If there's some automations available to me, if, if we are putting a lot of these processes into the background, designing workflows, designing transcode engines, designing the archive processes in conjunction with corporate IT, then they don't have to worry about those things that may have been keeping them up at night before. And they don't have to put a copy of, of a million dollar shoot to two hard drives and mm -hmm. put one on a plane and hold the other one close as you go to sleep, you know, on the West Coast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So that gets into uh, that gets that's really gets into the next topic I think is which is the journey of getting these two potentially I don't want to say disagreeing but they have different uh, d different uh, priorities in mind maybe yeah. how do we get those folks or those teams to talk to each other so and how do we align, prepare right? yeah and align how do we prepare for the journey so expectations what are some challenges and and maybe successes around expectations how long is it going to take to implement let's say a MAM or a SAN or a new network that's going to be needed for a media production workflow. Um, who's got to be involved? So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and and I think as you said, the, the journey and getting to that alignment is potentially very difficult <laughs> um, because, as I mentioned earlier, everybody is really concerned about what they have in front of them and their own day to day, their own strategic goals, their own budgets, their own leadership. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know the, the things that they or their teams are responsible for that you know, they're frankly evaluated on when it comes to success. Um, and I think that that can often put these two at odds, whereas folks on the creative side may think, you know, well, IT is just coming to put a stop to what I'm doing, or they're going to slow us down, and, and we can't afford that. And then folks on the IT side are understandably upset for being either kept out of the loop or their systems put into practice for something that they really aren't built to do. <laughs> um, so to really bridge that gap, I think, is firmly within that creative ops world that I, I've landed so nicely yeah. in. Yeah, it's, it sounds like that uh, the success really depends upon that sort of stakeholder role that can bridge that gap and, and get those people talking to each other. 
Exactly. And I, and I think that we're able, you know, w- with the team that, that we have at PVH, we were able to do a really good job of, of taking it through a different lens, really for both sides of that equation, because I think that we have that unique perspective to really understand that the place you really want to get to is where both of those things meet, because that's when you actually can see a lot of really cool magic happen. And we took an approach uh, that really involve actually marrying up those two things ourselves just in our own pitches. So we went on a little bit of a tour ourselves. We took videos of people giving testimonials uh, on the creative side about their workflow challenges, about what they're trying to do to drive the business forward, uh, and really tried to lay out essentially all of the business cases we could potentially find and where there are values to be had there and where there are initiatives that can really bridge that gap. Uh, And I think that bringing those to our leadership, both on the IT and on the creative side, and showing them this is what we are seeing. You know, th- This is where there are gaps, and this is where we think we can get these two sides to really come together and you know, have several initiatives kind of in the pipeline that will make it possible not only for our media production folks to hit those deadlines, to drive forward, to be able to be on the latest and greatest tech, mm-hmm. but also in an intelligent, scalable, cost-effective way that corporate IT has to be those stewards of. I really, I've I've been mulling over this analogy a lot over especially the last month, and I, I think it's appropriate specifically in this industry because it's like a dam. Not a digital asset management platform, although the the analogy works there too, but it very much is, you know, if you think of the creative side as, you know, the rushing river, the water, um, you know, it's wild, it it breaks boundaries, Mm -hmm. you you need it, you know, to move forward. And corporate IT becomes like a dam. You find that point, that advantageous strategic point, and you harness it, and you channel it, and you push it forward into something that generates power, generates innovation, generates revenue, absolutely. And sometimes you create a data lake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had to. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. So buy-in. Like, who's got a buy-in? We've got media professionals. We've got maybe the media asset manager. We've got uh, security, network. Like, what are some of the parties involved in in buying into the journey? Yeah, and and certainly at a place like PVH, it's everybody. It, mm-hmm. It's very much top down. You, you know, you you need the buy in across the board from from your finance people to your security people to your server teams to your network teams to your desktop and operational support teams to design and sales, marketing, mm-hmm. e-commerce. Uh, you know, uh, licensing. It goes on and on where you need that buy in. And I think that as I mentioned, doing these sorts of road shows and opening ourselves up to feedback on all sides. I think that that's something that really differentiates the current team I'm on from a lot of other teams that I've seen, Mm -hmm. um, is that not only are we open to feedback, we desire it, we we crave it, we need it to really keep everything that we know fresh and accurate because the requirements are always going to change, whether it's on the technology side, whether it's on the creative side. 
it changes day to day, week to week. So we need to make sure that all the information that we have that we are planning against stays accurate and that everybody understands that what we are working with is also what you are working with. And some of those readouts, making sure that we're always going back to our IT leadership and our business stakeholders to show like, these are the things that we are thinking of that we have heard from you and your Mm -hmm. stakeholders. And whether it's playing a video of someone in Europe or Asia talking about their challenges and showing how the challenges are similar here in the U.S., um, those sorts of things can be really, really powerful in order to create that alignment. So really getting that buy-in and making people understand that we are going to work together to work on this solution, and it's going to be something that provides a lot of value for our creative process, as well as efficiency within our own budget. So it's, it's mm-hmm. you know not only are we generating revenue, but we are going to save untold amounts that may be going on corporate credit cards to procure these uh, removable hard drives, you know, sometimes right. in duplicate or triplicate. And we're going to cut down on the amount of time that our creative professionals have to spend performing admin tasks, performing disaster recovery tasks, searching for assets. You know, that is just huge. You know, when people spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours a year creating these things, where are you storing them so you can find them again? And I think that especially in a company like PVH, but certainly what I've seen, you know, in my other stops at Time and at WWE, those assets are your historical record. Mm-hmm. They they are what differentiates your company from every other company. And you've spent untold amounts of capital to produce them. Yep. So we have to be the stewards of that. We have to enable our asset managers, our librarians and archivists with the right tools. We have to be the evangelists for bringing in people of those professions because a lot of companies don't have one. Right. You know, at WWE, the, I think the team of people within that realm was about 20 when I left, and that's out of a company of about 600, which right. is the size of my current IT department. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um, really being the, those evangelists, those champions for those who actually have to get in and do that nitty-gritty work to preserve the historical record to ensure that we can go back. We can see the things we've done, and we can, frankly, monetize those things. Right. Um, Americans specifically are certainly always nostalgic, and I think that that is something that is also very global. You know, one of the things that one of our brands likes to talk about globally is classic American cool, mm-hmm. um, and we always we always <laughs> look to repurpose um, some of the old ad campaigns, some of some of yeah. those iconic images that everybody thinks of. You know, certainly with Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, right. or the historical presence of of brands like Van Heusen that have been around for over 150 years. You know, there is always an opportunity to show somebody that that history matters and to to use that to generate excitement about what you're doing today. Mm -hmm. You can see what worked in the past and only with systems that operate at scale with professionals that are skilled in making them go, making sure the Mm -hmm. metadata is there, making sure that you can find these things without having to literally dig through some boxes or maybe never find it at all. You know, I think that making those cases up our own leadership chain, I think a lot of those things show that they do pay for themselves because, you know, you could have somebody who, whether it's a freelancer or whether it's some sort of creative director, you know, making a six-figure salary, do you want them digging in a box or do you want them combing through a few thousand files on a file server? Making more new cool things for you to sell? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it strikes me that um, one of the big benefits, too, is the more you have good collaboration between 
the creatives in the corporation, the better the corporation both understands what they're doing and also can start to plan and help them plan, right? Because like you said, understanding what budgets are needed in order to create this media and plan year over year, it's good for both sides of the street to understand that. Along those lines, in your role, what kind of documentation have you had to like walk through the process? Let's talk a little bit about some of the hurdles that most people might face when kind of tasked with coordinating with a corporate IT infrastructure and making sure that everybody has what they need to know to feel good about what the creatives are doing. Right. And I think you also touched on something good in there in that I think what often causes some of those divides between corporate IT and creative is a lack of transparency mm-hmm. perceived on on either side where sure. some maybe creative doesn't feel like they're being communicated with and IT the same. Uh, and that's how people dig themselves into their own holes. And they say, you know what? I've got my space right here. It's my space. I can do whatever I want. I'm just going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think part of the role that my team finds ourselves in is really opening up that culture of transparency. And I think when you can get people communicating across professional lines about what they're doing and what their goals are and what is required to be successful, Mm -hmm. uh, I I think that that just generates a better environment where people feel supported, they feel kept in the loop, because nobody likes to be kept out of the loop. Like, nobody likes, nobody likes surprises, whatever they say. Nobody likes to be surprised, certainly at work. Um, You don't want to have urgent things come up, or you don't want to have a surprise of, my files are lost, Mm -hmm. or... Hey, you know we're we're gonna throw 100 you know 100 terabytes on your company server right now. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> right, um, and and we just brought everybody to a halt. Right. So all of your WAN bandwidth. <laughs> Sorry, we <laughs> ate it. We're using it right now for a very important deliverable. <laughs> right, and those surprises are what what cause those divides. So I think that you know with communications plans, with getting the documentation in a place where it needs to be, you know, documenting what the business is doing and putting that into a form that corporate IT can visualize, that they can see what's going on, that they can actually put some numbers and some metrics to the creative needs, to the bandwidth needs, to the storage needs. Key performance indicators. Exactly. Those things can be very illuminating, and I find that that really helps the overall communication when you're able to be very concrete and clear about what's going on mm-hmm. and you know have essentially um, you have you have master guardrails yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said that before <laughs> yeah um, yeah I, I guess the, the only really way to phrase it is you, you have those Bibles you have documentation that is understood and agreed to um, throughout the company that this is what's going on and this is what we need to be successful and it forces people who are maybe more creative brained to be more analytical and it forces people who are a little more analytical to turn on that creative side of their brain because you have to understand where both of those things meet and that helps further that culture of transparency where everybody's goals are kind of surfaced up out in the open. Right. And it just makes for a much more copacetic, less surprising work day. Right. Because, uh, you know, we're very clear about, you know, there's a global architecture to consider here. You know, as I mentioned, when people get into their own little holes, they don't think about the 30,000 foot view. And it's really important to do that when you're coming from a place of need to scale 
and bring everybody into a tent because that's really where the maximum efficiency is for their creative needs, whether they know it or not. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, we talked about transparency a little bit before in communication. And obviously in media, things shift on a regular basis, right? A few years ago, everything was still broadcast over a TV. Now broadcast is a very different beast, right? It's files over the internet. Sometimes we still do terrestrial broadcast, but even that is changing. There's new specs that are tying into 5G, where instead of the digital broadcast over the air, we're going to start to seeing stuff more on our phones. So like keeping IT abreast of all of that stuff, as well as managing how you are dealing with that stuff and documenting those processes so everybody understands like, oh, this is the way the game is played today. We need to shift and making sure both the creatives understand what IT needs and what IT understands that the creative needs is really paramount. Right. And I think that in an organization the size of PVH, you know, the, the analogy is, is often made to a boat, right? You know, sometimes larger boats take longer to steer, whereas if you're a smaller boat, you can change direction yeah. quite a bit more quickly. Um, that said, I do feel that we do a pretty decent job of affecting that change in a manner and pace that is amenable mm-hmm. to uh, you know to the, the, the two sides of our coin here. Mm-hmm. And I think that one thing that we have really tried to bring in from my team's perspective is the idea that incremental change is okay. And, and on the creative side, they, they may think that less so, um, but you may have had nothing, and now you have a little bit of something. Right. You know, it, it may not be everything you're looking for. Um, and one of the analogies we like to use you know, when it comes to our processes uh, is a, a skateboard, a bike, and a car. You might need the Lamborghini to go fast, but if you need to get down the street, a skateboard will get you going while we're working on the Lamborghini. Right. And incrementally, like as we keep our communication open and as we keep abreast of priorities on all sides of the aisle, we can understand like, okay, like we've got you a skateboard, you're going a little bit now. What would really make this thing most valuable for you next week, next month, in three months? You know, we can get you to a bike, continually iterating, continually laying the yeah. foundation and building until we can get you that Lamborghini. Get you a little farther, yeah. a little faster. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from what I've seen from dealing with the corporate world, those cycles of requesting specific technology or the funds to acquire specific technologies, sometimes they take a long time. And you need champions within the organization that really understand the technology. And like you said, you're documenting the creative's needs and moving those forward and communicating back and forth. For somebody who's maybe a creative struggling in an organization to make their needs known, what kind of general advice might you have for somebody like that to kind of uh, help the corporate side understand what their needs are? Well, uh, as I mentioned, you know, some of the things that we did in terms of road showing it, um, the voices make a big difference. Seeing people's faces and people who are media production professionals Go out and make some media, you know, even if it, even if you're just shooting on an iPhone, which is something that we did. Shoot on an iPhone, put together, you know, a, a few different meaningful uh, people within the organization speaking about some of the challenges and the desires uh, mm-hmm. and, and talking about some of the solutions that, you know, maybe you're proposing. You can get them to talk about, you know, if we were to give you this kind of system, mm-hmm. tell us how that will affect your work, how it will affect yeah. your day to day, how it will free people up within your organization 
organization. Tell a to, story, yeah, right? You do, know, that's that's actually what creatives do really well is tell a story. So right. tell a story about it. And how do your stories make the corporation more money? Exactly. And, and, and that's what it's all about. You know, if you if you can talk about, you know, speed to market, shorter turnaround times, um, you mm-hmm. know, cost again, savings, co- <laughs> cost savings and, and opening up those people within the creative space to do more creating, you know, to yeah. to keep their brains, you know, churning on creative ideas instead of where did I put that hard drive? <laughs> yeah, people yeah. said they can spend hours and hours a day searching for files. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's something I, I I think I hear some of our clients talking about on a regular basis is like, we're, we're here and we're doing okay, but um, we've just been told we need to be here. I'm, my hand is going up much higher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's great. We feel great about that. But how do we get there? And that sort of storytelling and that consulting, that's, that's where that can get us into that. Right. And I, I think that keeping the professionals doing the job that they are most skilled in doing will not only increase your overall productivity, but it will give those people increased job satisfaction because Absolutely. they're doing the things that they want to do. You know, they, Joe, Joe Producer doesn't want to spend time trying to figure out which hard drive to put a shoot on or where did I leave this or um, this is moving so slow I'm just staring at my computer while I'm trying to edit video. <laughs> Giving them the tools they need to do the job they want to do, it makes people happier mm-hmm. and it causes a lot less frustration on all sides of the aisle because things are meant to be used for a certain purpose. And if you use them for that, it just lends itself to better overall success. Yep. And good companies retain good employees for longer when they're happier. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's something that's really important, I think, for everyone to remember is that we want to keep our talent. It is very costly to bring on new talent, to advertise, to train when a frustrated person leaves because they found a job somewhere else that gives them the tools they need to do the job in the way they want to do it. Yeah. And, so. I'll, and I'll always, um, you know, I'll, I'll always evangelize, you know, the asset managers, the archivists, the librarians that I've worked with as the folks who, who really can give that extra layer that a lot of companies weren't necessarily thinking about before. Because if you think of the admin time or the time that somebody who this is not their primary job will need to spend just to keep some semblance of the lights on and some semblance of organization, um, you know, how much, what percentage of the day are they going to spend on that? 25, 30, 40, maybe 50. Um, Whereas if you bring in people who are specialized to that task, to that job, who really know how to do it in a way that that somebody who's doing it as a side job would not, um, you know, the efficiency you gain beyond giving three people 20% of their day back um, is really a more buttoned up and comprehensive structure within the company and how it manages its digital assets. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that's 60% of someone's day back. That's that's a pretty significant number there, right? Right. And not only that, I have found that you know these people, the, the librarians and archivists that we speak of, become so beloved in their departments because it's like shining a light that creatives didn't necessarily even know was there. It's like you don't have to be stumbling around in the dark looking for what you want because somebody is a steward of your content, of your brand DNA, and and is making sure that it is not only all well taken care of, but you can find it at the drop of a hat because Mm -hmm. the metadata is good Mm -hmm. and the systems around it are well constructed with workflows and automations that really make it sing. So, you know, you can pull back that footage 
knowledge in seconds where it may have taken you days to find it before. Like, you know, how, how do you even measure something like that? Dan Rosenberg, you are speaking my language. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is something that we talk about a lot here on, on our show, which is just the importance of having those people in place that do exactly what you're saying, the, you know, the people who can really dive in and find that content very quickly. The industry needs people like that, and it's not something that, that we see put up on a pedestal quite very often. So mm -hmm. people don't tend to get into the media production industry to to do those kinds of things as a profession. We, again, we've talked about it with, with, with some of our guests in the past. Uh, they're, they're getting into it to be the the photographer or the shooter, right. or maybe the actor, right. and uh, they end up doing these jobs that, that we now know are very important. Right. Everybody wants to be the person who makes the cool thing. Right. Not necessarily the person who archives the cool thing, but the people who archive the cool thing are the true champions because they know where the bodies are buried and can monetize those bodies in the future. <laughs> That's oh, bad. That's a, that's a are we talking yeah. about cyborgs now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, but I think that you know, first of all, I'd like to say that I think the librarians are all very cool, and <laughs> you know, attend your local digital asset management conference um, because you'll Please. hear a lot of great stories um, of you know the treasure troves that have been uncovered that were just. Oh yeah. Pre previously, totally unknown, or or right. in a in a closet somewhere. You know, somebody found a, a stack of tapes, and they actually were able to go through them. And man, there's some gold on there, and right. it's, it's things that that would have potentially been lost forever, or yep. thrown through a degausser yeah. or in a garbage or something like that. In a previous episode, we were talking about preservation, and there was a specific example about a conversation between George Lucas and Akira uh, Kurosawa, and I think it was Francis Ford Coppola that. Yeah was just on a random tape that was labeled. It was mislabeled. It was mislabeled, and everybody thought it was gone forever. And God they bless found the archivists. It because somebody said, hey, let's digitize this stuff and find out what, what's on these tapes. Yep, right. Or I, reels. Right. So <laughs> I, I don't expect everybody's procedures to be as buttoned up as the way my dad and I labeled the spines of those VHSs back in the day. <laughs> but we never lost anything. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. Uh, Awesome. But we are humans and we make mistakes. <laughs> we do. We do. But if there's a process in place and there's good governance around that process, it's it's really important for the creatives to understand why that process is there. Because Absolutely. maybe it's going to save your awesome work 20 years down the line and somebody will see it again, right? And know that you did a cool thing I and celebrate it again. I, I find that creatives tend to be very meaning focused. They need to see where they fit in the in the big picture. And, uh, or I should say we, because I consider myself to be one of those. Indeed. Uh, very much need to see where we fit into the big picture and why what we are doing is so important. So that seems to be a very big thing that we need to keep in mind when we bridge the gap here. Yeah, and, uh, I, and I think that, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, the transparency that's needed, removing some of the mystery and the blockers that could be involved when everybody is, you know, just kind of up on their own. I think that as humans, we crave structure and process that will help us, you know, the, that repetition, the routine. So when you have these things in place, people always know where to go and what to do. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm finished with the shoot, I know exactly what to do with it, who to hand it to, where it needs to go, how long it's going to be before I'm able to work with it. Like you really manage those expectations, remove that level of guesswork um, because you have put into place a great process that is repeatable globally mm -hmm. um, in, right. in our case. So, and, and we really try to do that as much as possible. So our creatives 
always know what to expect and are never guessing anymore. And right. it's incremental, right? You know, we try to make little changes again, you know, as we go. Right. Um, but it makes everybody on both sides of the aisle feel like they're not alone anymore. Yeah. We're Thanks. such fantastic pattern recognition machines that we've got this instinct for survival. And sometimes it's interesting to see how that instinct can make us feel safe, right? If we add those guardrails to our processes, even though sometimes it feels like homework, at least we know what's expected of us. And right. it can help us get through the day because, you know, oh, I've got to do the thing. I can do the thing tomorrow. Okay, we'll do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wrap up our discussion with um, maybe some do's and don'ts. So um, thinking we, we have a good relationship with our IT team. We have a good relationship with our media production team. Give me some do's and don'ts on both sides. What should we and shouldn't we be doing on a regular basis to keep this relationship positive? So I, I think that we, we've hit on it a lot, and is that it's that culture of communication and transparency um, and, and keeping the surprises limited as much as possible. We know they're going to happen, um, but surfacing up these concerns early and often, doing regular checkpoints with business partners and IT partners, You know, keeping everybody in the loop as to what's going on today, what you expect to be going on in six months, and really just continuing to to bridge any gaps that may be happening. You know, hopefully, you know, as you've moved down your journey, you've gotten into a more regular cadence of some of these things, you know, keeping tabs on your initiatives, you know, checking in with business partners. Mm -hmm. How's it going? What do you love? What do you hate? Um, you know, and I think that's one of the advantages in, in the styles of working that are now seeping their way into the corporate culture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is it that you're doing today that you love and what could you really do without? Um, and I think that that keeps your creative side looped in and engaged and they will want to continue to communicate with you. And then from an IT side, uh, it, it's really the same thing. You know, we know that the latest and greatest video codec is coming out soon. You know, we know we're going to get asked for these things. You know, this is what we perceive to be the impact to the storage, to the network, to our ops teams. You know, again, the, the transparency and the communication will always be king because I think that Nobody likes giving bad news. Right. Um, or receiving it. But nobody, yeah, and it's, a, it's tough to do both of those things, right? Like, mm -hmm. So you want to figure out things on your own often, I find. Like you really feel like, I could just solve this, I can just solve it. Mm -hmm. But um, you'll never do it as well on your own as you do with an engaged team that cares about what they're doing. Um, and the earlier you can bring these things to the surface, generally speaking, the less impactful they are because people can adequately prepare for them. Yeah. You know, whether it's, sure. you know, needing to maybe hire some additional freelance staff or temporarily up your network bandwidth for a special event or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, th these are all options that you have. And I think that when those of us who have our heads down in our own worlds every day might not necessarily know all of the solutions that could be there to your problems, having these extremely talented and well-versed folks on the IT side who understand their own tech very well and how to problem solve with it. You know, I, I can't tell you anything about how to problem solve with a SAN, but I know people that can. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think a lot of that is being comfortable admitting that you don't know everything, but you right. don't have to know everything because somebody does. And it's really just being humble enough to ask for help yep. when you need it, as soon as you need it, and understanding that 
for the most part, if you communicate with people well, they will be appreciative even if you're giving them bad news. And that brings people to the table to collaborate and problem solve, I think, in, in a really fun way. Because I think in a lot of ways, a lot of us have gotten into this type of work because we like collaborative problem like solving. like working with people, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we like getting people to the table and figuring out, you know, challenges and, and how to get through them, around them, over them, under them, however we need to get there to get the work done. Um, the more ideas that you have at the table, generally, the more successful you're going to be. Yep, awesome. Well, Daniel Rosenberg, Lead Creative Technologies at PVH Corp., Thanks for coming down to Baltimore and joining us at the Chester Church. Thanks, Absolutely, Dan. guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'd also like to thank my co-host, Ben Kilberg, Senior Solutions Architect for Chessa. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Jason. The Workflow Show is produced at the Chessa Church, our home office in Baltimore, Maryland. My co-host, Ben Kilberg, and Chessa Sales Operations Manager, Jessica Manthai, co-produced the show. Thank you again for listening to The Workflow Show. We love producing this podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you think. If you have any stories about media asset management, media storage, media infrastructure, integrations, etc., or just need some workflow therapy, get in touch with us. Email us at podcast at chessa.com. And as always, you can visit chessa.com anytime. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason Whetstone.